0: This is the BBC.
1: This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. You're listening to the TMS podcast
0: from BBC Radio 5 Live. Now, one of the most powerful moments of sports broadcasting in recent years came last summer when Test uh, Match special colleague, our colleague Ebony Rainford Brent, and the former West Indies fast bowler Michael Holding spoke from the heart about their experiences of racism. It came in the wake of the Black Lives Matter protests that followed the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. And the way that Michael spoke so passionately about the need to educate and find a way forward resonated with many, including some of the most famous sports stars in the world who contacted him to help spread the message. And that has led to Michael to release a book, Why We Kneel, How We Rise. And he's here with us now. Michael, it's, it's, it's lovely to see you. It always is a pleasure to welcome this program. We don't see enough Thank of you. Thank you
1: very much, August. I'm always glad to be with you. Well,
0: always more genial than you were about 30 years ago when you are tearing <laughs> them off 40 yards. But anyway, we, we, might, we might talk about that, about that later on. Well, the book. Um, uh, did you ever think you'd write a book no, about this?
1: No, never, ever. And even after what I said on Sky and all the feedback that I got, I still did not intend to write a book. But constant if you want for a better word pressure from outside constantly people to say no Mike you can't leave it there including Ian Ward in the commentary box he was the one of the first men that came to me and said well what next right and eventually I decided you know with Ed Hawkins because Ed wanted to do a book as well and I said no initially and then eventually I said oh, you know what let us go let us try and do it Can you believe you've done it? I mean,
0: would you, you know, 10 years ago even thought
1: of of, of doing this? No, definitely not. And 10 years ago, I wouldn't have had the the knowledge to even start a book like that. You know, I still did a lot of research to eventually get to the end product. But I wouldn't have had the knowledge 10 years ago to even think about, yes, I know enough to even start the book. But as I said to you off here before, the last 15 years of my life, I've been doing a lot more reading because as you get older, you stop going to the discos and that sort of thing. Have you stopped? Oh, yeah, Officially? a long time ago. A long time ago. <laughs> so you get back from cricket as a commentator, you go to your room, you might have a drink or dinner with, with your, your friends and that sort yeah. of thing, but then you have a lot of free time. So I started to read more ab- about it because this thing has bugged me for donkey's years. All this racism and, and the treatment of, of people of colour around the world. I decided to do a lot more reading to learn more. As a matter of fact, there was a, f- a friend of mine in South Africa who told me to look up a particular thing on the internet about Mugabe and the Lancaster House Agreement because I had no idea about it. And I started to read more and more and more stuff. So I was... That was the starting point, was it? Yeah, that I was... in Zimbabwe, and, and how yeah, that came about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A friend of, you know, Alvin Nika in South Africa. Yes. There's a friend of Alvin Nika who said to me, Mikey, you need to go and read this stuff. Because I was making a few comments about Mugabe, and I said, I don't think you know the full story. Read this stuff. Yeah. It's interesting, because having read the book,
0: um, when you were being brought up in Jamaica, uh, it didn't seem that really...
1: That there was, this was obviously not an issue to, or to you. I mean, there was, a, there was an issue with your parents. Yes, my mother's family, yes. But again, you're going back into the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s. I was born in 54. So so by the time I got into the society, per se, and to start living a life and interacting with people in Jamaica, racism, I didn't experience it. People older than me did. My sisters, my eldest sister will be 80 very shortly. The other one is 78, so they would have experienced it, not me. I experienced it for the first time. I heard about it, obviously, in Jamaica, but I experienced it for the first time when I left the island, not in Jamaica.
0: And okay, you remember what, what
1: happened? Yeah, it was Australian tour. And then oh, you start to get... 75? Yes, yeah, 75, 76, okay. and some things were happening. But, you know, as I have said to so many people at the time, I just brushed it off. I said, these people have a problem. <laughs> I don't have a problem. It's they that have this problem. And I'll soon have them behind me. I'll soon be going back home. So I didn't worry about it. And that was my attitude for years. Hmm. But, you know, eventually it wears at you. And it's... It's not easy, Agas, when you're constantly getting up, as I didn't have to, but whenever I went overseas, it would face me every day. But if you're living amongst it every day, it wears you down, believe yes.
0: me. And you're someone who, who, who works in the game. Um, I mean, are you speaking more generally, I guess, about 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 the black population particularly, who, yeah. who, who feel that all the time?
1: Yes, and... No, when we came here with West Indies team in 1976, my first instance of recognising what was happening was a warm-up game at the the Oval. We were playing against Surrey. We were set a target on last year. As you know, those days are because they didn't get a lot of results without targets being set. (laughs) Yes, that's true. And we were set a target on the last day, and Lloyd said, we ain't chasing this target. A lot of you guys are coming to England for the first time. We're going to go there and try and get acclimatised for the test series starting in June. And when we did not chase the target, the fans in the crowd, it was a warm-up game. But they still came to the game. A lot of West Indians were there and they started to boo and jeer because they wanted us to win. Yes. And then I heard about the fact that you know, they didn't feel as if they were first-class citizens in this country. They felt second-class and they wanted to prove to everybody that where these cricketers came from, that's where they came from. And if they can win, so can we. And later on in the 80s, when I started to mix more with these guys and to visit their homes and get the stores and travel around the country with them, I fully recognised what they were going through. Yeah, There's no
0: doubt that, that the West Indies teams at that time were were, they were more than simply just heroes to those people. I mean, you, 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 you were evidence of what, of what black people could do and you're part of the world, but you were also heroes to us. Playing yeah. cricket at the time, your teams—I mean, you and you know, you and my friend, Andy Roberts—these people, they were heroes of of, of of our our generation too, for sure. Others,
1: yes. and and that, is why I tell people, even today, there are tons more good people than bad people, whether they are white or black. Tons. Mm. but the thing is, good good news doesn't travel. Bad news travels quickly. So the few people that are racist, and the few people who will ma- partial marks, and the few people that will do a racist acts, they get amplified, and especially these days with social media. Yes. But people need to understand that we just need to push those people into the background, make sure that they become insignificant over time, and then we have to tackle people's minds because people's minds are wired a certain way because of how they are brought up. Mm. They are taught certain things growing up. History is taught a particular way, for instance. And the way history is taught is to suit one race. History is not taught fully, that everybody knows everything that has taken place. And that is the way I'm talking about it, education. And that is what this book is about educating everyone as to the accomplishments of all sorts of people.
0: Yes, it's interesting, and, and, and I know, well, you'll you name someone in a minute, but I, I was reading uh, the, the, the Captain Cook, for instance, going off and, in inverted commas, discovering Discovery. Australia. And, <laughs> uh, and, you know, the fact that, you know, he's been there for quite a long time, and that an awful lot of in, indigenous people lived there at the time as well. Uh, you know, when you do take the, 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 the stance that, you, that you're taking and, 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 and want people to, to accept is, of course, you didn't discover Australia at all. It has always been there. But the mindset, I suppose, at the time from the Europeans was that they, they didn't know, they didn't know it existed, but they
1: claimed it. That's European arrogance. Because they didn't know about it, it did not exist. When they know about it now, they have discovered it. No, no. You have found out that it's there and you have discovered it for the Europeans. You haven't really discovered a land that has been there for thousands of years and people have been living there for thousands of years, people have been trading with their neighbours for thousands of years. How can you discover that? Mm. If I was to take penicillin to some far-off place where they had never heard about penicillin and gave it to them, can I tell them I discovered penicillin? No, it's been going on a long time. These people didn't know about it, but I didn't discover it.
0: Okay. It's interesting. Um the, your, your chat with, with Adam Goods, the, the um, Ab- Aussie. Aboriginal um, Aussie rules player. Yes. Really sets into context uh, e- even how recently
1: um, the indigenous people of Australia were treated. They were not people on the t- until the 60s. You know. <laughs> they weren't even people. They were not people until the 60s. They were considered fauna and fauna. They were n- flora and fauna, rather. They were not people. They were not a part of this, this, the census. And that is in the story there with Adam Goods, That is a point that Adam Goods' elders made to him because Adam Goods was adamant that things are not changing. He can't be bothered with this. When he retired, he was 20-something because he retired because of racist remarks and the pressure he was under. And he complained to his elders, and his elders said, Adam, one thing you have got to do is remember where you are coming from. You have always got to remember history. If you, you think that you have not made any progress... In the 60s is when we became human beings. Now we are capable of having businesses. We are going to university. So we have made progress. But Adam, in his 20s, he's not going to remember or know about what happened in the 60s. But you have to remind people of that. I had to say that to a young lady here in the UK as well, a young black lady. Oh, things aren't ever going to get any better. I said, remember where you're coming from. You've got to know the history. Progress is slow, and you want to see progress a lot more rapid than it is, but there is progress. And as I said to Mark Austin last year, I don't expect to live to see equality. Something that has been going on for hundreds of years, I don't expect to see the change. But I see progress. I see movement in the right direction. Yeah. You've got some amazing
0: people who've helped contribute to this. <laughs> I mean, you know, Hussein, Hussein Bolt, for goodness sake, who was of course of your, your, your country. So I guess he... he, wasn't he, 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 he go, no, it wasn't difficult to get to He put Pop, pop round his house. Uh, Thierry Henry, Michael Johnson. I mean, you can go through these... You Naomi know, you know, Osaka. Things. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. Who's obviously been very much involved recently. I mean, how, how, how
1: did you... Did, I mean, did, were they all really happy to, to, to contribute to this? They really wanted to be part of it. The first person I heard from was Thierry Henry. When I came back from talking to Mark Austin last year, I went back to the commentary box and Brian Henderson, the boss at Sky Cricket, said to me, Mikey, Thierry Henry wants to get in touch with you. I hope you don't mind that I gave him your number. I said, (laughs) mind? (laughs) I've worshipped this man for so many years watching him play football. And eventually he called me. I spoke to him and we chatted for a long time. And the last thing he said to me was, we have got to continue talking but of course that was COVID so we couldn't get together to actually meet face to face. But I had moved on anyway. The next thing I heard that Naomi Osaka wanted to get in touch. I didn't hear from her directly but I heard through other people that she said she wanted to get in touch with me. Those are the two people who reached out to yes. me and to us who, who wrote, wrote the book. All the others, we reached out to them. So Michael Johnson, we reached out to him, reached out to Adam Goods, reached out to Makaya and Enten- Hope, Powell, we reached out to all of those. And there are others that we reached out to who declined to be involved yes. without a call in the name, but they said no, they weren't interested. But all of those people were happy to get involved because Thierry Henry, again, was the first person I called when I decided, OK, I'm going to go ahead with this book. And Thierry said, absolutely. Right. It's interesting because I think about saying that you and Usain Bolt
0: almost had the same issue where Hussein Bolt went into a jeweler's to buy a watch. And it was the first reaction of the, the sales assistant was to look and say, "Do you know how much it costs?"
1: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you, you you're not going to be able to afford this. It's and, just in and, our mind. Yeah, and you had the same similar same thing. Of. And my sister, when I when I sent her. The chapter because I was sending them chapters along the way. She said, "She said me. She told me she had the same situation in Canada when she went to Canada to study. Right, same exact situation, same watch situation as well." And, and your response
0: was to buy it without even asking what the price exactly. was. Exactly. Of you
1: paid a bit <laughs> over the odds or something. You paid <laughs> well, a bit over the odds, but over what I wanted yeah, to yeah. spend. Oh. <laughs> because I was trying to send a signal. I said, "Don't form impressions and come to conclusions about somebody just because of the color of their skin." Yeah. I'm going to buy it whether you like it or not. And that, you, you would argue, is,
0: is, is what's happening out in, in the big, wild world everywhere. I mean, you, you talk a lot about America in here, obviously. I mean, you, and you, you've lived you've spent a lot of time living in America, haven't you? Yeah. You came in there. Um, I mean, do you, do you think that that our society here, British society, is similar t- to the American society? Or I, or is that really, kind of, you
1: know... With I don't think it's as bad here. And the, no, the gun situation is totally different. It's no. You can die at a split second in America if you cross somebody on the street. and it, That is just totally different. But you have similar mindsets in this country as to that country. And that is why we see what's happened with the football, you see what's happened with people on the streets. It's nowhere as acute as it is in the, in the US. But you have similar mindsets. And again, I don't blame people for the way they think. It is the way you are taught, the way you are educated, mm. and the way you grow up believing. As I said from the very first time I spoke about this thing, this thing seeps into your head like osmosis without you knowing. You're not even aware of the thoughts that you're having because that's just what you're accustomed to. If, for instance, as I said to Steve Sakur on Hard Talk, don't blame me for thinking that Jesus Christ was a white man with brown hair and blue eyes. That is what I was taught. Later on in life, I discovered that it was a lie. He could never have looked like that coming from the place he came from at that time in history. But that is what I was taught. That's every image that I saw. Judas was always a black man. So you're going to grow up thinking, hell, Judas is a black man. He, he's the man who betrayed Jesus. That is the image that they give you and the brainwashing that they do. And a lot of people have had that. So I don't blame white people for thinking the way that they think. But it is time to get educated and to get rid of those thoughts. Mm.
0: You mentioned 1976. So, uh, Tony Gregg... And I was there at the Oval when you took all those wickets, full <laughs> speed of light, and Tony Gregg grovelled in the course of that game because there he was with his broad South African accent at the start of that tour, yeah, saying that England would make you grovel. You don't like it when your pressure's on. We're going to make them grovel. And you just come back from Australia then, so we go back to that time. How did you feel about that? And also... Um, you have, must have worked with Greggy since of and, course and, and, and probably loved him But uh, did you get the chance to talk to him about that and, and, and what the impact of that statement was at the time did you
1: ever did you never, ever, ever discuss this with but as time went on you got to know the real Tony Greg. and again that is education if you don't know you don't know if you know a different situation when Tony Gregg made that comment. I saw it live on television. I was <laughs> watching a Sunday league game down at home. Peter West is interviewing him, isn't yes. He? yes. And I saw it live. Not everyone saw it because a lot of us weren't watching the game, but we made sure everybody knew afterwards what he had said. I was livid, I hated this man, a South African only playing for England because South Africa was banned from playing yep. and he's come out and saying this and use that particular word. He, I don't think he understood the connotations of the word that he used when he said he would make them grovel. But later on in life, when I got to know Tony Gregg, I recognized that Tony Gregg was not a racist. But immediately in my mind, South African, during apartheid, saying that word about a team that is almost 100% black. Yes. But as I got to know Tony Gregg, I got to know that he was not a racist. It's I a stupid have, thing to say. Stupid thing to say. Yeah. And when you look back on life, if Tony Gregg was a total racist others, when he as you say groveled and crawled off the field at the oval, <laughs> he would not have done it. He, no. would, he would be going off proud anyway. I, I'm still superior to you. That's sort all of the thing. He did not do that. But I wasn't even thinking about that at the time. Yeah. But as I said, I got to know the man, we became good friends. Yeah, I'm sure you would. how, how do you View at the moment the, the,
0: the, the taking of the knee, which last year, um, I guess, because the West Indies were over here touring, it, it it seemed a more natural thing to do, I guess, because they were here also.
1: Um, i jumping t- jump in right there before you go any further. Go I don't like that idea because it's a black team here, you're going to take the any- knee. Okay. No. If you're supporting a cause, you're supporting a cause. Yeah, because but it, it has that's That was my point. That, and that is my point as well. That yes. it is ignorant to do it that way you cannot take the knee because you're playing against a black team and when the black team has gone home you stop taking the knee if you're supporting our cause you're supporting our cause the worldwide accepted gesture for supporting black lives matter and again I want to specify I'm not talking about any political movement mm. I'm not talking about the three words that people with black skin their lives matter is to take a knee the footballers have done it throughout they say they will continue to do it through, through their football season this year So why not, if you believe in it, just take a knee. How long does it take? Mm. Just show the world that you support it, that you believe that people with black skin, their lives matter, and move on to your game or move on to whatever else you're doing. Why is it that difficult? If you don't support it, that's fine. That is fine. I'm not telling anybody to support it. Because some don't, and some black footballers choose not to. Yeah, but they choose not to because they are fed up with taking a knee and seeing no action. It's not because they believe that taking a knee is irrelevant. Yeah. They want action after taking the knee. And they are frustrated with not seeing the action.
0: What, what do you say to people who do say that, well, Black Lives Matter, there is that, whether you like it or not, there is a connection with a political movement that has got some pretty extreme there's ideas. There's no connection. That, but Black it's the Black Lives name. Matter. Yeah. It's a, that this, is
1: all that there is There's no connection, others. Right. People with black skin, their lives matter. Forget yeah. black lives matter. Has that people message, with black skin, their lives
0: matter. Has that message got through to people? Do you think? People who boo when they take the need because they say, but this is this is supporting a, 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 a movement that wants
1: to defund the police and, and so on. That's what people say. Yeah, because it, they want to take that angle. Right. They don't want to see change. They don't want to accept that black lives matter. And they, so they find an excuse not to support the movement. Yeah, but there is that.
0: How can you stop that connection? How can you, how can you stop people making that connection between, between... By
1: enlightening them and letting them recognise that we are all one. Yeah. Those people don't want to see change agas and I'm live here on BBC, I'm telling you all who say <laughs> it, they don't want to see change. Right. They're happy with their lives, they don't need to see change. But you're also saying that people who take a knee
0: are not supporting any way a political movement that wants to defund the police and these sort I'm of... I'm not telling
1: things. you everybody that takes a knee who does not want to support that. I don't know, I don't know what's in their heads. Yeah. But the worldwide accepted gesture for supporting the the thing, the fact that people with black skin, their lives matter, is to take a knee. That started from Martin Luther King days. More recently, Colin Kaepernick brought it alive again. The, Colin Kaepernick, when he went down on his knee, you think he was thinking about defunding police? He wanted to show the world that he is fighting against the disrespect of people of color in America. Hmm.
0: How did you feel? I can guess I felt because we all felt sickened by those messages that came out when you know, to Marcus Rashford and people like that after a football game when he missed a penalty, and then it seemed like all, well, a lot of the good work that had been done was just just unravelled
1: in in, in, a series of abuse. I don't believe that. Again, that is social media highlighting these people. These people, as I said, are in the minority. Yes. Social media has allowed them to seem as if they are big, powerful and out there in this world. If there was no social media, they would have gone to a bar with their friends and made their racist comments amongst themselves. It wouldn't have been highlighted as it is now. When the Marcus Rashford mural was mutilated... Did you see how many people came out to support course, him? Absolutely. Did you see how quickly they covered up whatever was written on it with black plastic bags, and the artists went back to fix the mural, and how many people went out there, black, white, brown, mm. Black Lives Matter? Because they want to show that those people who did that are in the minority. Mm. So that sounds a positive message for me then. I mean, of it going? I mean, you've
0: got to go and work elsewhere. But, <laughs> but that does sound as if you do feel that there is positivity growing then.
1: I guess there's a lot. I have been walking around England since I wrote that book and since I said what I said on Sky. I've been getting a lot of positive feedback from people. I did a book signing here at, at the ground yesterday. I signed over 110 books, and everyone who came up to me was saying, Mikey, and these are a lot of white people. I'm glad you wrote this book. A lady came to me at breakfast this morning and said, I'm, I'm reading your book, I'm absorbing it, and I intend to act on what I am reading and what I'm learning. Yeah. A history teacher came to me yesterday when I signed this book and he said, I have read this book and I, my school intensive changed the way we teach history because history was taught to suit one set of people. Yeah. The amount of black achievers and black innovators and inventors, who knows them? Because they have been airbrushed out of history because mm. the brainwashing continues.
0: Very emotional, Michael.
1: Others, the world needs to change. We were all one, people at one. Do you know that this race theory is only about 500 years old? There was nothing called race before 500 years ago. And the race theory was brought in because they wanted to make sure that they did everything they could to dehumanize people in Africa so that they could go and steal their resources. Every movement was planned against. 1886 Berlin Conference when all the European nations came together to divide up Africa amongst themselves mm-hmm. to make sure that they weren't fighting over territory because Europe was broke. They needed the resources of Africa, but they had to make sure that when they were doing the evil that they were doing, they didn't feel as if they were doing wrong. See, they make sure they dehumanized the, the race to say they are inferior. Don't worry about what you're doing to them. They are inferior. Don't worry about them. It's like stepping on a cockroach. And that was the start of it all. Believe it. Other people can go and read all this. They can. The so-called scientists that are even revered today. This man Voltaire, who was a quack, talking about white people's brains better than black people's brain because of the size of the skull. And he was a quack, but he is still revered today as some brilliant scientist. Voltaire. Go and read about him. Mm. i to rubbish. How about cricket? <laughs> cricket, what's that? That, no, cricket. <laughs> Has cricket got a problem? I don't think sport has a problem. I think the society has a problem. People always talk about what should cricket do, what should football do, what should whatever sport do, even horse racing, what should they do? If each sport thinks that they need to do things to diversify the way, and look big, the way they look differently, that is fine. But until you fix the society, you cannot fix the sport. Yeah. The people who play the sport, the people who administer the sport, the people who come to cheer at the grounds, the fans at the, at the sport, they come from the society. If there's nothing wrong with society, if you can push the minority into oblivion, where they have no influence and they are no longer recognised, society will be fine and you won't have a problem in sport. And how are you going to feel, last
0: all, Michael? I mean, when are you going to feel that you've achieved something or maybe you already feel that you've achieved something. I
1: feel that I've achieved because of the reaction that I've been getting and from what people are saying but it needs to go much further beyond mm. that. a long time, is it? it it's going to take a very long, I said before, I do expect to live to see it. <laughs> <laughs> but what we need now is the people with power, the people who m- make policy. They are the ones who need to get on board. And if they do not get on board, it will take even longer. If they get on board, the movement will be a lot quicker, a lot easier to see. Policy is what shapes the world. And a lot of private enterprise, they are changing their policy. I, I guess I could talk about this thing forever, but I'll give you one more example. There was a bank who, a gentleman within the bank, went and interviewed a lot of people of colour, black and people of colour in the bank and asked them their experiences. And of course, they had a lot of bad stories and can't get promotion and that sort of thing. And he wrote an article and specified all these things. Years ago, if he had done that, he would have been fired. You know what happened? The bank sat down and said, hey, we have a problem. This is real. We have a problem. We need to sort it out. And they sat down and put policy in place to make sure that they made changes. And they set a target. That is a positive move. Hmm. Because, as I said years ago, they would have fired him. You can't go out and, and wash our dirty laundry in public and embarrass us. They would have just fired him and continued as they were. They are making changes and they have made it public that they are making changes.
0: And does it need positive discrimination? Quotas
1: in the case no, of South African no, cricket? No, no. If you read the Makaya chapter, I, I, I don't agree with it at all because when you start thinking about having quota systems as Makaya found out even after taking 300 wickets he was still considered a quota player because they're using an excuse. They're looking for whatever excuse they can that's, to make a, that's, him. That's a
0: really good point, actually. Yeah, yeah.
1: and also others. Yes. If you promote people into position. Well
0: uh, also would have been considered Has a, a, a quota course. player, I guess, rather than a, a player. Yeah.
1: After batting, remember him here at the, at the, in London <laughs> at, at the Oval 300? Yeah. The other side of that as well is if you promote someone into a position or put them into a position that they cannot handle, you put a black man in a position and he can't handle it, everybody's going to say, see, put him there, he can't handle it. I told you they can't do the job. Yeah. So you make sure that they get the opportunity to learn and to earn their position. Don't just put them in a position. Tokenism. And the South Africa situation, I hope... And I've said this to Ali Baka on numerous occasions, because I get along very well with Ali Bakker and people are surprised that I get along with Ali Bakker because he was behind all rebels. He's doors. very personable, though. He's yeah. yeah. a great guy. Yeah. But anyway, I believe that instead of going into different regions and plucking people like how they pluck Makaya and Tini and put him in a, in a special school, that you put facilities all around the country. Give everyone an equal opportunity. Mm-hmm. If they don't want to take that opportunity, that is fine. But when you start pushing people where they do not belong, it creates problems. It's
0: a massive topic, Michael.
1: It is. I, could do, we, I was we, we, very we, we, nervous before I wrote that book. <laughs> Were you? Very. I was very sceptical as well. Even the literary agent, I, I called her once and I said, are we really going to do this thing? And she said, why? I said, I'm nervous. I do not want to get involved in this thing unless we do a proper job. But I'm very happy with the end result. Ed Hawkins did a fantastic job. We did a lot of research together. I would find things and send him, and he would do the research on it to make sure that what I had sent him was actually factual and it wasn't just some website that produced rubbish. (laughs) And we did a lot of research to make sure that it's full of facts. And this is why people who might not like that book, they cannot contradict it. Well, it's a must-read, and you can hear
0: Michael's voice just th- throughout it. And we've enjoyed listening to this lunchtime, Michael. Thank you. As- My oh, pleasure. Thanks, thanks for popping in. Great to see you. Might have been off the long run there. That was, <laughs> was bringing back some horrible memories. <laughs>
1: the Last time we spoke, we spoke about derby. Yes. <laughs> a long time
0: ago. <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> yes. Take care, Michael. Lovely to see you. Good, Good luck with the book. Others. Why We Kneel, How We Rise by Michael Holding with contributions from Hussein Bolt, Adam Good, Thierry Henry, Michael Johnson, Naomi Osaka, Hope Powell. It's... Um, Yep, it's a it's it's a powerful piece of work.
1: BBC Sounds, music, radio, podcasts.